Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Uh, guys, go ahead and turn to James 4 for me. James 4. We're going to start there this morning. We're actually, um, we've got one more left in our installment in our series. And so we started Easter Sunday, kind of kicked it all off on Easter Sunday. We're going to finish it up on Mother's Day, which again is next weekend. And so everybody come on out. Our topic next weekend, as we're sticking with the keys thing, is the key to stronger families. And so I just want to encourage you guys to come on out. Moms, bring your whole family. That is your Mother's Day gift. Bring everybody to church. Or guys, bring your mom to church, whatever it looks like. Um, Because it's going to be a great time. We're going to honor moms, but also just to get into the word about building stronger families. And you know what? We need to learn to build stronger families in this country and the world that we live in today. Amen? And so we're going to look at the keys to do that through the scripture. We've been doing that through the course of the series. We we did Easter Sunday, the keys to resurrect everything that's dead and dying in your life. We did uh, the key to... uh, hearing God's voice. Last week, we did the key to forgiveness. Uh, that was a, a powerful one just based upon the topic and something we all uh, could, uh, you know, apply to our life. And then uh, today, we're looking at the key, to, um, the key to knowing God's will. God has a plan for you. God speaks to you, and he has a plan for you, and he's a good and faithful God. And so, let's take a look in James 4, because as we get into the message today, here's, here's where I'm coming from today. I think today it's changing from when it was years back. I think years back people really wanted to know God's will. I honestly think today, and the generations that are coming because of culture and because of pressure and the attack on the word and the attack on even just acknowledging that there is a God, I think people are more like, uh, likely today to set a course for their life and ask God to bless it then find out what God's course for their life is that's already blessed. And I think there's a lot of reasons why we could spend time, I don't wanna do that today, but I wanna dig into the word and I want us to see some ways on how we could unlock, because keys are to unlock, unlock our ability to know God's will for our life. Here verse 13 in James 4, 13 says this, now listen you who say today or tomorrow we will go and do this or do that, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. And there's a lot of things that we plan to do. That's what the scripture's talking about. We have a lot of plans, we have a lot of things that we want to do or to be about. And it goes on to say this, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. We're making plans with not even knowing what tomorrow holds. Or in other words, we're planning things that are temporary. We're putting a lot of emphasis, uh, uh, going and doing a lot of stuff on making temporary plans, and we're asking the wrong question. What is your life? Here's the question. What is your life really? Is your life the decisions on what home to buy? Now, those are important, but should I buy this home? Should I I buy or should I rent now? Should I marry this person or that person? Should I go to this school, that school? Should I major in this, major in that? What's your life? Um, You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And really that word mist, another translation says vapor. If you study that out, the, the word picture you'll have is like boiling water on a stove and as you see that steam rise, you only see it for a second, then it's gone. And that's the picture, that's life, what the Bible says. We're asking the wrong questions. It goes this, instead you ought to say, Here's the right question. If it's the Lord's will, we'll live and do this or that. In other words, it's not about what we want to do, it's about what he wants us to do. It's about lining our will up with his will because understand, our life is a mist or a vapor here for a short time and so we're asking the wrong questions kind of about the temporary things when we should be asking questions about the eternal things. Now, Now God's interested in the temporary things and we'll talk about that in a minute, but let's make sure that we're asking the right questions today. And so the temporal questions um, really aren't even the best ones. The eternal questions are the best. And so take a look in 1 John 2, 17 for me. Because we want to be in line with what God 
has for us. The world and its desires pass away. Now God is interested in even the smallest detail of your life. Make no mistake about it, he's interested in everything that goes on in your life, but he's trying to again point us to the fact that temporary things will eventually pass away, but whoever, say whoever, whoever does the will of God lives forever. Whoever, your will, if associated with temporary things, is really almost kind of a waste of time or in vain, but when we do the things of God, those are the things that continue to go on, and we want to know what God's will is. I want to give you some keys today because many of us are in a decision dilemma, and if you're not, you'll be in one, and there's decisions we're making all the time. And we make decisions, and it changes as we get older, the scope of them, perhaps. And, and when we're younger, we make, make decisions like what sport or do we want to play? Uh, then it becomes, you know, what uh, college do we want to go to or even go to college? And then, uh, my nephew graduated from ORU, super proud of him yesterday. And, and my, my oldest daughter, Callie, she's going to be graduating this year way too fast. We're looking at what does God have? What do you major in, not major in? Then it's this job or that job. Uh, do I marry him? Do I marry her? Do we have kids now? Do we wait? How many kids do we have? Uh, do we buy a house? Do we rent for a while? Do we get a dog or do we get a cat? <laughs> and so I'm going to answer that last one for you. It's always dog, never cat. Dogs are from heaven. Cats are from Oklahoma. <laughs> I'm just telling you that. I don't know what you thought I was going to say there, but anyway, so, so answer that one for you. That's worth coming to church right there. All right. So... <laughs> And in week two, we talked about hearing God's voice, so I'd encourage you to go back to week two. Um, but John 10 says that his sheep, God's people, hear or know his voice and respond to it. God's always speaking, and what is he speaking to us? He's speaking about his will for us. And so we need to position ourselves to listen. And so how do I know his will? And there are a lot of ways that people try and figure it out, and we know these ways, and some of them are funny, some of them are embarrassing, but honestly, we probably, a lot of them try this. Uh, one method, don't try it, but one method that we do typically is the fleece method. And that is trying to make a decision by condition. You know, God, if you want me to get out today, you know, if you, if you want me to get out today and do something particular, then it's going to be sun shining. But if it's raining, you obviously want me to stay in bed, I mean, you know, under the covers, right? I mean, that's a silly illustration, but the reality is that we set a lot of conditions on what we all think that God's will is. If you want me to do this, it'll be open. If you want this, this person will be here. If you want to do this, that'll happen. Can I tell you the devil can move things around a lot of times to distract you and get in the way? Just want to let you know. But it's really like the guy, I heard the story about the guy who put a fleece out there, and, and basically he, was a, he needed to back off the Krispy Kremes, but he told God, if you want me to have a dozen Krispy Kremes today, there'll be a parking spot right at the front of the door. And so after his fourth time around the parking lot, one opened up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So how about the flip and point, right? I mean, come on. Now, we're laughing because we don't want people to know that that's us, but right? It's like, how many guys, how many times, Lord, I just, I really need to hear from you. Give me a word, Lord, and let it open up or point, and there it is. A little harder with the electronic Bible, but, um, you know, we open the Bible up to a place, and like that, God's going to speak to us, and I don't say that he won't. I, the Holy Spirit typically will direct us or reveal something to us we've already read, but how about the guy, the man who did this, and this happened? It landed on 1 Chronicles 19.4, and it says, so Hanun sees David's envoys, shaved them, cut off their garments at the waist, exposing them to, and sent them away. And so he thought, man, I, what is that about? I need to find another one. So he goes, let me try it again. And it landed in Luke and said this, go and do likewise. <laughs> it's just like, that's what we do. And we want to hear from God. We want to know what his will is. But can I tell you, God's really revealing that to you. And so it's not this kind of game of chance. 
you know, and that we try these other things. You really can know the will for God. Those certainly aren't the keys. The question is, is the will of God for me very specific? Here's the question. Is the will of God for me very specific or is it broad or general? I just kind of get in the area, kind of what does he want? And so let me give you an example. Does God, this question comes up, like I said, I have two teenage girls, we've been praying for whoever God has for them, and so this question comes up, does God just have one person for me? Right, does he just have one person for me? Well, then it, then, then it begs the question, then if you marry the wrong person, you just ruin a whole bunch of people's lives. If there's one, is this domino effect, then I married the wrong person, then that person, that person, that person. And, and then even people talking about, you know, it's the Bible says it's appointed unto every man one day to die, and so people would say, you know, if it's your time, it's your time, and... And that's all well and good, but what if it's the airplane pilot's time on your flight, (laughs) right? How do you wrestle that one? The reality is, God wants you to know his will. It's not some mysterious, escaping, elusive thing that he's trying to keep from you. And we do need to be able to hear his voice, but we need to also find the keys when we're making decisions that how we can better understand what God wants from us. And so I want to walk you through this a little bit this morning. I want to give you an understanding of how God's will works, how his will works. So there's two parts really to this morning. The first part's kind of more theological. I want, to, I want to frame it for you. I want to give you some framework to operate by. And then the second one's real practical. I, I want to give you something that you can take away and apply today. And so something that will really be uh, practical for you that you can, uh, again, apply it immediately. So God's will is framed. And, and let, me, let me illustrate this way. It's like if you've ever played golf or seen golf or know golf, this is the best illustration I can come up with, is that you know, when you play golf, you want to stay in the fairway. You want to stay in the middle where the grass is nice and short and it makes your game easier. You want to stay in that zone as you move down the, the fairway, in the fairway. Outside of that, the grass is much taller and it's much more difficult and they call outside of the fairway the rough. Why? Because it's rough out there. If you get out of the lane or out of the fairway of life, it becomes more rough. It becomes more difficult. Now, a lot of people, it's hard to make a shot, a good shot from that place, so you really just work on getting back in the lane are back in the fairway to move forward so your shot becomes easier. I want you to kind of have that picture in your mind as we frame this this morning a little bit. I want to help you stay in the fairway and out of the rough, or I want to help get you out of the rough back into the fairway. So one side then is framed by something, and let me give that to you. That is the sovereign will of God, the sovereign will of God. And basically, let me tell you what the sovereign will of God is. It is this, what God is doing on the earth. What is God doing on the earth? See, God's already up to something. You realize that God's working. He's been working before you came on the planet. And he'll be working unless he comes to take us all home after you go home. But listen, God is already up to something. And the question is, do I know what it is and am I cooperating with it? Because here's what we need to understand. God has a will and his will for our lives is is never outside of his will or the will for our lives is found inside the will of God. Like, God doesn't have this will on the earth he wants to accomplish, and then you have a separate will for you to accomplish. It works together. That just makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, God is doing something, and he wants to do it through his people. So he has a will, things that he's already doing, and then our will will fit in that framework. Does that make sense this morning? Our lives are to coincide with God, so we don't do things outside of what God's already doing. 
So the easiest way for me to understand God's will for my life is to understand his will. And Jesus taught us to pray that way. In fact, if you remember the Lord's Prayer, which is not just a prayer to recite, it's a teaching, it's an outline. Before he told us to pray for our daily bread or to pray for us, he told us to pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we pray on how we fit in that picture every day. So we should align ourselves with what he already has going on the earth. So I need to know his sovereign will. The other side of that, the other border, if you will, another frame is to to stay in the zone is the moral will of God. The moral will of God. The moral will of God can be defined as what God has already said in his word. So understand, God's already doing things on the earth and our will will never fall outside of his will, what he's doing, and God has already said some things. And so our will will not fall outside of what he's already said. So do you realize that God has been very clear in scripture on things that we're making decisions on? And our will will never fall outside of his word. I don't care what year it is. His word is timeless. His will is timeless. And so what he says in his, in his word is part of the will he has for our life. And so this problem is sometimes we just don't like it or we don't want it. But understand this, let me give you an example. He, well, let me say this, he's never going to have a will for you that's contradictory to his word. An example in 1 Thessalonians, you don't have to turn there for time's sake, go study it later, but the Bible says this, it's God's will that you should abstain from sexual immorality. So, <laughs> that's outside, sexual immorality is outside of God's will. So what is God's will for you? Not to engage in sexual immorality. You don't have to put a fleece out there for it. You don't have to ask him for it. You know because the word says this, and that's just one example of many. I think it's an obvious one. And so we know what God's will is in those situations because it's what his word says. So anytime we get outside of the boundaries and into the rough, we need to get back into the fairway, back into the zone. I need to come back into the moral will of God. I need to come back into the sovereign will of what he's doing so the next shot can be easier. So the last thing I'd say would be it's his personal will, or our personal will, the personal will of God. It's our question today, how do I know God's will for me? The personal will is what God desires for my life. What does God desire for my life? God has a plan for us. It's what he desires. So let's put all three of those together in this statement. This would be a great day to have those live notes. You can write this down. The more I get to know the sovereign will of God and the moral will of God, the better I'll discern the personal will of God. You can live life just with those things. Knowing what he's doing and being a part of that and knowing what he's said and being a part of that. And already that will help you doing what he's doing and doing what he said that'll help you more clearly hear or discern what he has for your personal life. Because it's not gonna fall outside of either one of those boundaries. And so if your life is outside, you're not doing what he's already doing or you're doing something against what his word has already said, then if you get those things in order, then you're gonna be able to hear his voice more clearly. Now that's the theology side. The more I know what he's doing, the more I know what he said, the more I'll be able to know what he has for me. And so we need to be in the right place to align our heart with God. And so let me give you just two questions that really addresses both those things before we move on. Number one is this, you need to ask yourself, what am I doing that I should not be doing? What am I doing that I should not be doing? And this falls maybe to the, more to the moral will of God when you look in the word, what am I doing that's outside of the boundaries of the word of God? And just make the adjustment, get back in the boundary, get back in the fairway. 
We need to ask ourselves that question. Honestly, we probably need to ask ourselves that question every day. And here's the thing, here's why we don't ask that question, is because we'll get an answer. (laughs) And that's okay, you need an answer because you need to get back in the fairway so you can hear God's voice. And you need to ask that, because a lot of the things we probably thought were okay and we didn't realize it, but the Holy Spirit will answer you. In fact, if you were to look at Psalms 139, it talks about all the days, all our days ordained, all the days ordained for me are written in a book before I was ever born. The last two verses in the chapter say this, 139 verse 23 and 24 in Psalms, says this, search me God, ask him, search me God, know my heart. I, I just, I wanna know that I'm following you. If there's things I don't realize, reveal them to me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, if there's anything outside your moral will, outside your word, and lead me in the way. Get me back on the fair way. Get me back in that place of everlasting. So we need to do that. Actually, we probably should ask that every day. Every day we need to ask him if there's anything in our lives that are not pleasing to you, and he will show you. Listen, I just, I really just want you to get to cl- as close to him as you can. Just get as close to God as you possibly can and have the courage to ask the question. Now let's talk about the other one. What am I not doing that I should be doing? What am I not doing that I should be doing? And okay, if God's up to something, God's doing something on the earth, wouldn't it make sense that I need to cooperate with what God's will is? I need to cooperate with what he's doing. His will and my will are not to be different, but they're to coincide. And that's why, I mean, that's why I wanted to honor the all-star team today. Those that are serving, because we couldn't do this without them. We could not. And can I tell you, do what? What are we talking about? We couldn't do this without them. We're not just here to do church. Church is the will of God. God established local church. We are doing the will of God today. The will of God is to create an environment so people can come and worship and enter, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, so we can cast our care upon him, so we can sit under the word, amen. Our faith can be built so we can build relationships to encourage one another, iron sharpens iron, so we can give and we can serve. Listen, God, this is what, this is what God's doing, one of the many things God is doing. And, and I want to say that not because, and I want to say this before I make my next comment, I'm not trying to get you to get in a place to serve as much as I'm trying to get you to hear what God's will for your life is. Because you need to cooperate with what God's doing on the earth. Okay, does that make sense? Help me out, All-Star team, does that make sense? Yeah, amen, that's a word. You need to be doing, <laughs> okay, well thank you. But the All-Star teamers are in the first, they're serving right now, I'm talking to people, right? And so understand that when you get in line and cooperate with what God's doing, it puts you in a place to hear him more clearly, to know his will for your life. And so again, it's not just to try and get you to serve, it's just so you can position yourself to know God's will in a greater measure. And if you don't know or trust me or think I'm just doing that because I'm looking for help or whatever, then you need to ask an all-star team member. Ask them. Ask them how much more clarity has come to them since they began serving. Ask them how much closer they feel to God since they began serving. Ask them how more they, they actually hear from him since they began serving. They've aligned their lives to what he's already doing here on the earth. I want to encourage those who call Tree of Life home. If Tree of Life's your home, to get involved with something God's already involved in. It will help you know the will for his, that he has for your life. And today, you saw the, the announcement already for a growth track. Today was 101, it was talking about kind of our, our core beliefs. Now next week, it's not too late, you can jump in at any time. Next week is membership class, the week after that is spiritual giftedness to find out how you're wired, how did God create you, what did he create you for, and the week after that is serving opportunities. And then how do you take that and get plugged in somewhere? 
It's not too late to get in there. Be a part of what God's doing here on the earth. If you'll get involved with something God's doing, you'll be surprised at the clarity it will bring you. 1 John 4, 1 says this. 1 John 1, 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Not everything is God's leading. You understand that not every feeling, every unction, if you will, every impression is God. But test those things or test the spirits to see whether they are really from God. Again, the enemy will try and confuse you or detour you. So how do I do that? How do they know? Ultimately, how do I test? When I'm making decisions, how do I know this is God speaking to me? And the Bible gives us several things. It has a lot to say about this because he doesn't want us to miss what his will is. And so I'm going to give you some things that you can put into your decision making or a filter or a process uh, that will help you. And I'll say it this way because the context of our series, let me give you six keys that'll unlock your ability to follow God's will. Find out what it is and follow it. And let me say this, you'll need all six. And I liken it in like a, a door, like if you have one of those doors and you had it shut and you had the lock, then you had all those locks that you're shutting, all those locks and, and chaining this and chaining that. You'd have to open all of them for the door to open, not just one of them, you'd have to open all of them. And I believe this will work best when you unlock all six of these things. Let me give you number one. Am I in a right relationship with God? That's the starting point. Am I in a right relationship with God? Am I in the rough, out of bounds, or am I in the fairway? Start there, not based on emotion or circumstances, but before you make a decision, see how close you can get to God. That means add more of him and subtract more of the world into your life. And it could look like a number of things. Your daily devotion is extremely important. Let me talk to you about a couple things, prayer and fasting. And listen, prayer and fasting should be a part of a believer's regular spiritual Christian disciplines. Why? Because prayer gets you closer to God, connects you more to God, and fasting disconnects you more from the world. Okay? And so listen, when you have big decisions, can I say this? When you have big decisions coming up and you know next week I'm going to make a big decision here, you know what I would do? I'd find time to do a little prayer and fasting before that happened so I could connect with God in a greater capacity and disconnect from the world in a greater capacity. But not everything happens down the road where you're planning out your decisions that you can do that. Some things happen throughout the course of the day, even decisions that you didn't expect that just happened. So I, can I say then, your personal relationship is extremely important with God. And so the more that we're tracking on our personal relationship, the more clarity we have on his will and our decision making because it really is not a lot of fun when you know you haven't been walking with him and you got a decision to make and now you're trying to hear and your relationship with him's not where it should be. Thank God for his grace and mercy, but listen, let me tell you, you can't live that way. You need to have a relationship you're developing. That's why coming and getting connected and being consistent is important. In your daily reading, in daily devotionals, see how close you can get to God. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Quit making decisions based on this world or this world system or mindset, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get as close to God as you can. Then, and then, the closer you get to God, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We're trying to find his good, pleasing, and perfect will and having maybe just a distant relationship with him and it doesn't work that way. Get as close to God as you can, especially I'm telling you, some of you guys got some big decisions to make and you're doing, you're Googling all the research, you're calling all the experts and I, and I don't have a problem with that, do that. But you know what? See how close you can get to God in the meantime. And then listen to him. He's talking to you. What is his will? Okay, number two, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? You realize the Bible is a wealth of knowledge and understanding from God. 
that speaks to areas of our life. Am I considering something that's outside of God's will? Now, again, I keep saying this this morning, but I think it's a great illustration. I have two teenage daughters, and I'm praying for their spouses and stuff, and so let me speak to young ladies and young men, but I'll come from a dad with daughters. Listen, girls, listen, do not date or consider marrying people that don't have a relationship with God. It's outside of his word. It's outside of his word. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked. What does light have to do with darkness? Nothing. And they could be nice or great people, but you're just looking for trouble. And I've talked to many young ladies and stuff, or people engaged to be married, and one's been uh, saved and one's not, and they think they can get the other. Listen, don't marry a project. They need to get close to God because, let me tell you something, young ladies, you need them to love God because they love God, not because they love you, because you need a godly leader in your home. Follow the word. The word has boundaries. I can't tell you how many heartbreaks and how many difficulties I've helped try and walk couples through in the marriage ministry here, that people that did not listen to the word of God. Now, I got this. I can do this. I'm going to lead them to the Lord. I'm going to win them over. Can I tell you more times than not, it doesn't work. Let me tell you, ladies, they'll say whatever to marry you, and then they'll go back to being right, right what they were before. And I just want to, and men, same thing. Come on, guys, there's many, many other examples there. I thought that was one of the most obvious. So I just want to, don't do things outside of God's word. Luke 21, 33 says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never, ever pass away. God's word is powerful. It is true. Hey, don't change God's word to fit your will. Times may change, but God's word does not. It is timeless. And let me make this statement as boldly as I can. We at Tree of Life are not following culture or politically correctness. We're following God's word. Amen? The truth and power of God's word. That's what we're following. Number three, what would Jesus do? Remember those bracelets? Right? Remember thinking about, man, if I just would have thought of that, I'd be a millionaire right now. Right? That was just me, I guess. Okay, anyway, so, man, those bracelets, it seems so simple, but it's yeah, such a powerful message, to be honest with you. You put it on your wrist because then when you're making decisions, you, you need to be reminded of what would Jesus do in this situation. And that's important because you know what? There's a lot of things Jesus would do, wouldn't do that we're doing. And it's just truth. And so understand that uh, people wore those so they would pause for a moment and think of the temperament or, or, the, uh, or, or the personality of Jesus and how he'd respond. You would ask yourself, if you did this, does it carry the spirit of Jesus? I'm amazed at how many, th- how many things people are doing and saying that that's not very Christ-like. <laughs> Jesus, that doesn't represent Jesus. Show me that in the Bible. That, that's, that doesn't show and reveal Jesus at all. And we need to be more mindful of that. James 3, 14 through 17 says this, but if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, which are not characteristics of Jesus, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, making decisions out of that, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, not characteristics of Jesus, you have disorder and every evil practice. Now listen to this. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is the wisdom that comes from Jesus in the spirit and personality of Jesus. First of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. Ask yourself, if you did this, does it carry the spirit of Jesus? Number four, 
Have I sought godly counsel? Have I sought godly counsel? Have I found someone in my life who loves God and said, what do you think? You know, we got a lot of people in our lives that we're asking things from, but you need to ask someone that has a, has a vibrant, real, passionate relationship with Jesus. And can I say this? I'm not even talking about people that just go to church. I've gotten a lot of not godly counsel from church people. You have people in your life that you have seen, they have a close relationship with God, and how you'll know is the fruit in their own life. And so, but you need people that you're bouncing things off of. You can't just make all these decisions you're not wired, not created to. You need to at least ask someone in your life that, hey, what do you think about this? Now, you don't always have to do it, but you should consider it. I have people, I just want you to know, I have people that I go to. I, I, there are a lot of decisions to be made here in this church. I, I just want to tell you that. And, and I make a lot of them with our, with our team. I'm very inclusive and I appreciate their gifts and their wisdom. I have trustees that help manage the finances that I talk to. I have elders that help this, the spiritual strength of the church and I talk to. I have a great staff. We're blessed with such a great staff. Pastors that I meet with on staff every week. I have overseers, uh, three godly men in my life. I have mentors, pastors, friends that, listen, I take advantage of that. I would be foolish not to. Because then I want my will, I want his will. That's why it's so important. Listen, that's why it's so important to connect. That's why it's so important to build relationships with people. Listen, you need to get on a serve team. You're just not on a serve team just to come and be a, a child care worker or a, a minister, a lead teacher, whatever, a parking lot a guy, a usher, a greeter in the kitchen. Listen, you're building relationships with godly people that at some point in time, you ought to be able to bounce some things off of. And where else are you going to find that? And so you need to build those relationships here. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, for lack of guidance a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. So you can't do this by yourselves. And listen, let me say this, you need all six of these, okay? You need all six of these. Do I sense God's peace? Number five, do I sense God's peace? All throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, God spoke in a still small voice. You see that, even Old Testament passages, you'll see that he wasn't in the whirlwind, he wasn't in the earthquake, he wasn't in the fire. He was in the still small voice. And let me say this about peace, let me say this, man, listen, I've come to find that my wife is a great indicator of this. I, and I'm not, she's not even in here for me to benefit from that comment. It's true. Come on, can I tell you, God wires us different. Can I tell you? I don't know what it is, but there's, there's women in my, in my life, my, my mom, my, my, my wife, my sister, my, my assistant, Sherry, uh, people, I, I find that they are great, and if they're telling me that they don't have peace about it, it's probably a pretty good indicator that there's no peace. They're just wired different. I'm just telling you. I'd be foolish not to follow that counsel and advice, but listen, we follow after peace. 1 Corinthians 14, says this, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. If you're confused or things, then it's probably not God. Follow after peace. Let me say this, and let me make a disclaimer here. I've had a lot of people tell me that they've had a peace about something that directly contradicts God's word. Can I tell you? And a lot of times I'll say, well, show me that in the Bible. And like, well, I have a peace about it. Well, show me that in the Bible. Well, I have a peace. Well, let me tell you what the word says. Yeah, but I have a peace about it. Can I tell you sometimes you can't discern peace? That's why you need all six keys, because God's not going to, his will's not going to contradict his word. Can I tell you, I've talked to a lot of people that are leaving someone for someone else because they married the wrong person, they have a peace about it, and I'm like, show me in the Bible. There's a lot of things. You, you work through all six of these keys to unlock God's will for your life. And I don't mean to be harsh, I'm hoping you get back in the fairway if you're in the rough. 
I'm hoping to position you for a better next shot. And so you can't always go along with, well, I feel good about it. Peace is a wonderful thing, but you need all the other keys as well, amen? Amen, this last one's really something you need to do every day, every day. Number six, is it my will or God's will? My will or God's will? One of the most mature practices of a believer is to start every day by saying to God, Lord, today I'm gonna have some opportunities, I'm gonna have some temptations, I'm gonna have some desires, I'm gonna have some choices, but not what I want, but what you want. Help me navigate to find your will, not my will. You know, Jesus powerfully modeled this for you and I. When we look in the scripture in the Garden of Gethsemane, that night before, the night that Jesus was taken, the Bible says he knelt down to pray and he began to sweat great drops of blood. The pressure he was gonna face was incredible. He knew he was gonna be taken. He knew he was gonna be beaten. He knew he would be tortured. Crucifixion was gonna be intense. Let's take a look at Matthew 26, 39. Going a little farther, he fell to his face on the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, my will is that this cup be taken from me. Yet, immediately, yet not as I will, but as you will. Aren't you glad Jesus said not my will, but your will? Aren't you glad he made that decision for you and I today? You will never go wrong by surrendering your will to his will. You will always be thankful that you listen and follow God's will instead of your own. His ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts. He will never steer you wrong. I love that song that we sang, surrender, I surrender. My heart is yours. All that, surrender your will to him. Not your will, but his will. Interesting thing, Jesus was 100% man, yet he surrendered his will, showed his humanity for a moment, but without hesitation, not my will, but your will. You know, I, I like you have wants and desires, and a lot of them aren't from God or don't seem like they're from God. They're not the best thing. But I need to start every day of my life, not my will, but your will, God. I need your wisdom. I need to hear your voice. I need to say I submit my will to yours. I surrender my will to you. I don't want us to be people. I don't want to be a person. I don't want us to be people that don't want God's will. They just want God to bless our will. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be that guy of the church that does it conditionally either. God, if, if you do this, I'll do that. Honestly, the only way to truly know the will of God is to truly surrender to God, completely. And why not? Because no one loves you more than him. And he has the best possible plan for your life. So my hope is this morning that you'll take those six keys and you'll use all of them to filter through your decision making to find out God's will for your life. But also that you'll stay within the framework of what is God already doing that I need to be a part of and what has he already said that I need to be doing. I just wanna encourage you that God is a good God and a faithful God. You can surrender your life, you can trust him with everything. And Jesus was an example of why and how he laid his life down for you and I. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.